right back into it. Okay. All right, we're back. We're back. Like I said, we just had some couple technical difficulties. Y'all know how that stuff goes with technology and it's cold outside. So, Big Bro, once again, talk to us about um, your first sermon. Yeah, uh, my first sermon, I, I won't ever forget it. Uh, I talked, I came out of Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1 through 6, and I talked about uh, a street Christian. Okay. And uh, that's, it was the, the message was really based about based around my life experiences up to that point and you know how how that you know we had some of those uh, similar issues even in the church during that time and it was amazing that my pastor uh was impressed with my message okay but, I, but our district moderator came that night to give his support and something he said to me that night he, he said, he said, you will learn, young preacher, never to bite the hand of those that's going to support you. Wow. And, and I really didn't understand where he was coming from. And, and so just to show you the lack of spiritual maturity that I had of self-control, my pastor leaned over to me quickly and said, don't say anything because he is your elder. We'll mm. talk about it later, because for me, um, I believe preaching is, is, is about us being real. And, and so for him to make that statement made me feel at the time is there, okay, certain lines you don't cross, uh, anything that's going to impact those who sit in the pulpit with you. Um, so, so I didn't really, you know, that night I really didn't know how to, uh, to take it. But, you know, after having a conversation with my pastor, you know, I learned from that point that uh, anytime you preach the truth, you're always going to ruffle some feathers. <laughs> right. And once again, like I said, we're uh, on with my big brother, Pastor Roscoe D. Roby from the 7th Avenue uh, Missionary Baptist Church. And Pastor Roby has told us about um, him being in the military, also about his uh, preaching experience. So then help help us then, because, you know, when you're a young preacher, and you hear people encourage you and say you did a great job but then a seasoned pastor comes and basically in a, in a way may cut you or may challenge you how do we not take that so personal that, that that's a good question and it, it takes me back to when when i was uh in the military i was stationed in erlangen germany and i was a member of the erlangen national baptist church and I sat under the, the pastor, Dr. Clarence D. Hill. And every time that I preached, uh, he would tell me, you know, the church would, would come to me and say, minister, you did a great job. And, and I'd say, okay, but I learned that until I heard from the voice. Yes, sir. That what they said really didn't matter because, uh, and, and he would always say, son, you know, you did good. But when I, when he dissect the message, you know, this particular time you say, well, you didn't give enough meat, you gave a whole mm. lot of vegetables, but you didn't give enough meat. Or the mm. next time you gave too much meat and you didn't give right. enough of this. And then he even uh, told me once, he said, good meat will make its own gravy. Right. So, so you don't have to try to make the gravy. And probably I, I preached under him for two years before that I came back stateside, my wife and I. It was the very last sermon that I preached in Germany, that he stood on his feet and pushed me and supported me. Wow. 
and he told me that day he said now you're ready and you're ready to pastor son and anywhere mm. you go i don't have to worry about you because i know now that you have learned how to how to balance and give the church a well-balanced diet in wow. preaching. And, and so i would say to young preachers don't don't take the criticism as that but take it as constructive yes because, uh if 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 seasoned pastors really care about young preachers they're going to pull them aside and share with them areas that they can improve on now yes it's like me i have a, i have a, a young son who sits under me and the unique thing about him is he's very observant he's very attentive um and I've only had to uh, share a few things with him, um, but a lot of it has to do with how well we observe those that we're under, um, you know. And I've and I'm very open with him. I've even shared with him on, on Sundays when he would say, "Pastor, you really preach a great message." And I said, "Well, I'm glad. I thank you for saying that, but I missed here, here, and here, where that I should have given more." information more insight here and here uh, because every preaching moment should be a, a teaching moment mm -hmm. um, both in the pulpit and out of the pulpit because we should be able to learn something now some preachers may say it's, it's arrogant but i don't think it's arrogant um when i preached this past sunday some point this week i'm going to listen to it because it's important for me to be able to see Errors that I need to improve on, or uh, areas that I could have given more information, or could have given a better example. That's how we grow. I've been right. preaching 31 years, and I am still thriving to to be to become an even better pastor because I don't see myself as arrived yet. I feel that there's still a lot that I can do, and as long as I feel that way then I feel I could be a benefit to young preachers because how can I help a young preacher continue to develop if I'm not willing to continue to develop? Wow. My goodness. That that that's very important, uh, Big Bro. I'm glad you hit on that. So you're you talked to us earlier about um your background being from uh, Franklin, Kentucky. Um, about your uh, conversion experience. You were converted at a uh, teenage age, even though you said Big Bro said he felt the call at eight to be converted. Um, so let me ask you this question then, as we talk about preaching, as we talk about the landscape of preaching, as you've hit this on for us, when we're talking about growth, what are keys then to staying fresh in preaching? Keys to staying fresh in preaching um, is we ought to always be reading. Right. And when I say reading, I'm not saying we, we should, should set aside devotional time and meditation time in the Word, but we should always be expanding our horizon by reading. Yes, sir. Um, now, for me, you know, I uh, when I first started out in ministry, uh, I went to school briefly at what used to be called Simmons Bible, Simmons Bible College. Yeah. in local Kentucky, but now it's it's uh, known as Simmons College of Kentucky right. under the leadership of Dr. Kevin Cosby. Uh, when I went to school, 
there. It was a Strickland Bible College under Dr. Hodge. I went there briefly. Then I went to Hopkinsville College of Bible briefly. Um, and I found that for some reason that it just wasn't, I don't want to say it wasn't fulfilling, but it wasn't uh, wasn't what I what, what I felt I needed and what I was looking for. And so mm -hmm. the, you, the weird thing is, uh, little bro, and, and you may get some, 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 some hater mail behind this. Um, it wasn't until I came to Columbus, 2009, and I started, uh, and by the way, when I was in Kentucky at First Baptist Gospel, I was bivocational. Okay. So I was, I was a juvenile detention uh, supervisor by day and, and pastoring by night. Wow. When, when I came to Columbus, that was when I got my first taste of full-time ministry. Yes, sir. And that's when I realized how much more that I needed. Mm -hmm. And so I went to, uh, I checked out several schools and, and uh, went through uh, the process of, of understanding what they had to offer. And so I went to Ohio Christian University is where I ended up. Um, and so I started all over. I started all the way back at undergrad. And so I got my uh, associate's degree in 2014, um, pastoral leadership and Christian ministry. Then I received my bachelor's degree uh, at in 2016. And my bachelor's degree was in pastoral leadership with a minor in Christian ministry. Okay. Uh, and in 2019, 2019, I finished up with my master's. I got a dual master's degree. Yes, uh, sir. A master in ministry and a master in business administration. And I say that because it was a culture challenge. Right. At Ohio Christian. Uh, yes, sir. That school actually helped me to really find who I am mm. and, 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 who it is God wants me to be in ministry. Uh, and it also helped me to broaden my horizon. So, you know, not only do I read uh, material from, from, from black authors, you know, um, but I also have, have read leadership. Right. Uh, books from, uh, from guys like, like <laughs> Atkins. Um, and, and so reading enhanced my thinking. Yes, sir. So, so that when I go into sermon preparation, now I'm, I really look at that uh, who, what, when, why, and where mm. from a whole different perspective. Yes, sir. Um, because it's important to me to, to, to analyze and dissect the text. Right. Even before that I begin sermon preparation. <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know? and, and so, so I, you know, I encourage I encourage young preachers to to get out of the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. and what I mean by that, there's nothing wrong with a hoop. Right. So don't get it twisted. Every once in a while, <laughs> I feel one and it comes on. Right. But I think it's more important for us to feed the sheep right. than it is to shout the sheep. Mm. You know, because what has happened is we're finding out that uh, many of our sheep 
are rebellious because they're not being entertained. Wow. Now, wow. This, pandi this pandemic has been a blessing, I believe, for 7th Avenue. Yes, sir. And here's why. I've been able to do something that otherwise I may not would have been able to do. Mm -hmm. That is, I heard one of your, your guests uh, talk about uh, really pushing discipleship and pushing love. And, and what I have, have been doing since the pandemic started, I've been teaching on a series uh, over a year now, Knowing God. Yes, sir. Uh, and currently we're talking about knowing God requires a dedicated commitment. Uh, and we've been working John chapter 15, verse 1 through 10 for the past three weeks. Yes, sir. Because, because for me, uh, the reality is, is there has to be a greater intimacy mm. between us and God. Yes, sir. And, and and the response and the feedback that I have been receiving uh, has been phenomenal. Yes, sir. Uh, many have talked about, Pastor, I never thought of it this way. I never saw it from this perspective. And now I'm, I'm starting to understand. Because uh, there has to be transparency between us and God. Yes, sir. You know, because for a long time, I used to say, well, God knows my heart. He does know my heart, but he also need me to put some activity, some action into the relationship. Wow. My, my, my. My, my, my. Oh, wow. Now, that, that's, that's, wow. <laughs> that's, that's heavy. I just want to let you know that is heavy right there. So, as we talk about this pandemic, um, you talk about preaching. So could you say that your that your preaching has either taken on a different level, your study has taken on a different level, or encourage us about the importance of making sure, because we're living in a day and time where everybody can easily access a sermon. It's, you know, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're on YouTube, they're on Instagram. So and it's important to be fresh. It's important to make sure that you really spent time with this text. So then talk to us and help us and encourage us about the seriousness of preparation, your preparation process, but also about the importance of making sure we're getting the text correct. Well, I, I think the importance of getting the text uh, correct. Now, what I do, it, it's on Sunday after I deliver my message. Yes, sir. Where, where the, a lot of my colleagues probably rest on Sunday evening. When I'm done preaching, Sunday evening, uh, God and me are already <laughs> already in, in, in connection, in communion to discuss and, to, and to, to talk about what's coming next. Right. Uh, what I have found, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I've been between the two churches. I've been pastoring uh, a little over 26 years. And, and what I have found in these last four years is series preaching. Yes, sir. Really helps. Uh, first of all, it benefits. It benefits me because in a series, I already know where God is moving me the next week. And if for some reason I don't cover things in a way that they need to be covered this week i can always 
be able to incorporate that into next week's message because I'm preaching a series. Yes, sir. Um, and in and in the series preaching, uh, it's a continuous preparational process. You know, it gives me more time to work with the who, what, when, where, and why. Give me a great example. Um, I preached a series um, before that I got sick. And I preached it out of the same chapter mm. for four weeks. Wow. Because God kept showing me more and more and more. Right. And and really, and really to be to be truthful with you, we can't really be integrous to a text by just preaching, just 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 preaching it this Sunday and then moving on. Because mm -hmm. I used to be one of those guys. I preach out of John this Sunday. Next Sunday I may be over in, in 2 Corinthians. Next week I may be over here. But now I've learned as, as I season, preach series because the people get more from it mm -hmm. when I when I preach a series than they do when I jump around. Right. You know, now I've I've been teaching on knowing God. And, and over the last three weeks, I've been preaching, I've been teaching about knowing God requires a dedicated commitment. My sermons on Sunday have been a follow-up to what I was teaching on Wednesday. Yes, sir. Because here's the reality. Everybody who needs to get Wednesday is not gonna get Wednesday because they're not a Wednesday participant. Wow. Wow. But if you come back on Sunday, mm then they get they get a glimpse mm. of what you're dealing with on Wednesday hmm. and draw some of them to come to Wednesday wow because because on Sunday when they hear it when they hear it from a preach a preaching standpoint it goes a lot more it goes a, a little bit more intense but it helps them to understand even on a greater level my goodness my goodness because my preaching uh, has changed with the pandemic because number one i have more time with god because it's i don't have the distractions of a lot of community stuff uh secondly hmm. it, it's been a blessing because uh my home office has become my office yes sir Be because some say well i do better in preparation at my church office i do better at my home office because when folk know you at the church office even though they may not come in because of this pandemic your phone rings <laughs> and every time that you get into a thought you get dis distracted mm. at the home office it's just me and god wow um, and, and and so for me, this has has really enlightened me and showed me how to get to an even greater level of, of preaching. But watch this. You know, I share with you that I had gotten really sick. Uh, last couple of years, I've really struggled with sickness. But during this pandemic, I've really been sick. And, and I know that there were points when my folk thought pastor got COVID, but I didn't have COVID. Um, but it was interesting because a couple of weeks ago, uh, I preached a sermon 
titled The Benefits of Thorns. Mm. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 through 12. Because God revealed to me that what I was going through was preparation for an elevation. Wow. Some, sometimes we have to go through some pain and have to go through some suffering in order to appreciate the promotion. Mm. And, and so um, instead of me getting into that place of woe is me and feeling like that life was over because I was so sick. And I don't know any, any pastor, especially a pastor that loves to preach and teach that would enjoy, watch this, being sick from September to December. I didn't preach from the last Sunday in August. The next time I preached was the last Sunday in the year of 2020. Hmm. Did you hear what I just said? Yes, sir. My associate, my son in the ministry, delivered the mail from September until the, the last, before the last week of December. That was tough for me, but I was so sick. I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't catch my breath. Um, but in the midst of that, what God was doing, God was doing some stuff. Because since the last Sunday in December, I've learned a whole new way to preach and be effective reaching the people and and not exhausting myself wow my goodness that um wow what a, that's that's a testimony um not only about your sickness but that god has showed you something it's amazing how the lord will put us in those positions where he, he has to sit us down to really show us but he does it and then it, we become better for it afterwards especially if you talk about what your church as well so talk to us about um your first church you say you're bivocational how did how did you get called to your first assignment <laughs> it's interesting that you say that um one of the one of the, the gentlemen that they had as a pastor um when when i grew grew up uh, my parents um and he and he and his family and one of my uncles we used to go camping together every year okay so he was like uncle george okay and i'll never forget it we went uh my home church went and did uh what would have what would turn out to be his last pastoral anniversary mm. because he got sick uh and he passed away shortly after that and it was funny when we went there i told my pastor uh when he and i were alone pastor allison had went out to get worship started and i said pastor the feeling that i'm feeling now i don't like that i'm feeling he said what are you feeling i said the spirit is telling me that i'm gonna be the next pastor of this church i said but uncle george is a pastor and it was weird because three months later he passed and they listened to seven, eight different preachers. And in January of 95, my, 
my pastor come to me and he's no the, the the last sunday in the year he came to me in 94 and he said son listen i'm gonna send you the first baptist scotchman next month the start of the year to help them until they decide what they want to do he said it'd be a good opportunity for you to get some experience at preaching every sunday teaching bible study he said um i know it's an hour and a half drive for you because you're in the military but it'll be a good experience i said okay so i went there the first sunday in january my wife and i and i never went back to my home church i preached for them the whole month of january and preached for them the first two sundays in february and the ame church that they do fellowship with the pastor just stood up and told him he said y'all had this young man here for six weeks preaching now, if y'all don't call him then y'all don't deserve enough pastor mm. god is obviously showing y'all something because you keep bringing him back wow and so that next sunday uh after sunday school they said we have some unfinished business so my wife and i we got up to go back in the back they said no y'all are unfinished business wow they said we don't know if we can afford it or not but we won't call you as our next pastor and here I am, 24 years old, and I'm like, wow. But there was no hesitation. I accepted the call. And and I told them, I said, look, uh, we'll just go with the flow and see what God does and what God sees. And it turned out to be 14 years and seven months. Now, in that 14 years and seven months, it was some growing pains. Because after about six months, I said, look, we need to do some things to enhance uh, the worship. And they said, well, what are you thinking about? I changed. Now, you hear me. And I guarantee you there are some pastors that may look at this or may be viewing this that will laugh and they will tell you it's true. I changed one thing, Pastor Brown, on the order of service. Mm. And you would have thought that I had created that I had had, had created you. <laughs> I had a member to get upset and say you have messed up our order of service. And I said, No, I've enhanced your order of service because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yes, that sir. was that was the first crisis. The second crisis was they were they believe, they always wanted to have their Christmas Eve. They wanted to have a Christmas program on Christmas Eve. I was fine with that when it was just me and my wife. But then when we had a had a little girl, you know, I told her, look, I, Christmas Eve, I'd really like to go and do that with her family and my family, because Christmas Day, we want to be home. Right. Guess what the response was? Oh, Lord. Well, Pastor, we've done this for 40 years. And if you don't want to come for the, for the Christmas program on Christmas Eve, you don't have to. But we're not going to change this. Wow. Now, as a young pastor, I could have easily followed my first mind, which would have been to fight. And I, I want to say this to any young pastor who's been pastoring less than a year or two years. Pick your battles wisely. Mm. And understand this. Some may disagree, but it's true. You really don't become pastor 
the day that you installed. Mm. My first church, I was there seven and a half years before they accepted me as pastor. To that point, I was just a preacher. Now, Pastor Brown, here in my current assignment, many of them called me pastor, but I didn't really become pastor until 11 years. Wow. Because each church is different, and then you have to understand what what you are coming into in your assignment. Yes, sir. Because there's such a thing as church hurt, uh, and, and when folk get wounded, it takes them a while to lower those barriers and trust. Mm. And that's why we as pastors have to be integrous. Yes, sir. You know, if we say say something, we need to do our very best to live up to it. Yes, For sir. example, whatever I'm preaching, I need to live up to it. Yes, sir. And, that, and that's where my wife is a blessing to me because my wife holds me accountable. Yes, sir. Honey, you preaching this, but are you really? Wow, it? my goodness. You know, because she's the one. I don't care if the whole church, if they turn somersaults and shout and a hundred folk come to Jesus that Sunday. If, if something is not like it ought to be, she gonna come to me and she gonna say, honey, I love you. And so I gotta be truthful with you. Even though you got the response you got, it wasn't happening. Mm. And this is why. Wow. And that's what I love about her. Because she keeps me balanced. My goodness. She don't mind. She don't mind telling me you didn't you 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 flop. She's only told me that twice in in, in 29 years of marriage. And so that's what I did. 29 years of marriage. My goodness. So tell us then, before we get to Seventh uh, Avenue, you just talked about you and your wife's relationship. Um, talk to us then about the importance of that accountability, and how, and the importance of making sure that you and your spouse are not just spouse, but that you're best friends that you can talk to each other. Um, talk to us about that. Well, I'll say this. It was difficult for me in the beginning because I had a I had a major ego. Mm -hmm. and, and it was hard for me to hear anything other than you've done a great job. Right. And and my wife, Vanessa, she's a very quiet person. But when she has something to say, she says it. And it was a many Sundays that we would travel back down the highway uh, from our first church because we lived 35 miles from the city where we where I pastor. And that's a long time to ride. <laughs> and to have somebody, you know, just be honest with you and, and be upfront. You know, she would tell me, do you want me to say what you want me to say or do you want me to tell you the truth? And I said, well, just tell me the truth, even if it's going to make me mad. And she would tell me. I could tell you really didn't study like you normally do. Mm. You didn't apply yourself to 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 preaching of your text like you usually do. Uh, and there was a few occasions where she said, look, today I just felt like you were showcasing. You were just trying to shout them, but you wow. weren't going to beat them. Wow. 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 Yeah. And that wow. was tough to hear. It was tough to hear, 
uh, Amen, Brother Caldwell. That's my um, that's my that's my big brother, Pastor Bill Caldwell from St. Jude in Oklahoma City. But but I needed to hear that. My because goodness. what it did, what it did is it has made me to it to some degree it's made me the preacher that I am today. Yes, sir. Um and, and the other part about her, she doesn't try to walk out in front of me, she walks beside me. Mm. And, and and her goal has always been to preserve watch this preserve my reputation and integrity and and if that means that she has to be harsh and remind me um then that's what she that's what she does you know because i used to have this thought process i'm pastor so i should be able to do a b c e with no issue but then she would always say look some things you need to think through how you handle it. Now, let me say this to you, Pastor Brown. You're a young pastor. You're, you're in your 20s, right? I'm 30. You're 30. Now, I'm going to share something with you that I learned the hard way. When it comes to counseling, um, when I counsel young women, If, if I don't have my church clerk who who is in, in who is in her twilight, she's she sees it. If I don't have her with me, or if if first lady is not in her office, watch this. Her office is next door to my office. <laughs> yes, sir. I don't do it. Um, and the reason is there was a situation where I I did not my views weren't aligned with, with with certain ones in the church and so they asked to speak to me but they were actually setting me up mm. to say that I had done something inappropriate oh Lord. so that they could hold me hostage yeah and and she happened to be in the building now watch this. I asked the individual, why are you shutting the door? My wife, it's like the Holy Spirit just moved in her because she was doing some technology stuff in the building. She came down, she put her key in my office door, unlocked the door, come in my office, and went to, she went into to, to a room in my office just to make the point, I'm here, so whatever you had in mind, it ain't gonna happen. My, my, my. Your wife is not just your best friend. She's not just someone that you talk to at home, but she is also your protector. Yeah. Because she can see what you can't see. Mm. Lord have mercy. Whoo. Oh, Lord, you, you, you helping us tonight. I just want to let you know you 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 blessing us tonight because that that that's so important to have that. Um, and my goodness, you you whew, you can stay there for a minute. You got anything else to add to that? I, I'll I'll just say this: many great preachers in my generation have been ruined 
over that very issue. Wow. Great preachers, but now they have no power. Hmm. My Lord. My goodness. Oh, Lord. I'm trying to segue, but that 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 was a word you just shared with us. No lie, big bro. That was a word that you just shared with us. So then <clears throat> talk to us uh, after your first church. How did Seventh Avenue come about? It was it was unique because I had the Lord was working on me, allowing me to know that he was getting ready to to move me and and i prayed about it and i and i had a conversation with my wife i said honey i said the lord is pulling on me and i feel that soon he's going to reassign me and she said she said to me she said she smiled she said i've been having dreams and she said i already knew but i was waiting for god to, to, to speak to you mm-hmm. and and she told me, she said, we're going to the Midwest. Lord have mercy. And and here's the unique thing. One one day I was I was on the internet at home in Kentucky. And this is no lie. I just typed in the number seven and put a TH at the end of it because I was looking for something. Seventh Avenue Community Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> and 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 so i just looked at it and then i uh, had a link to their district and i saw that the church was vacant and i began praying and i said okay god is this what you you're saying to me and it was like three months prayed about it and then of course i sent the the, the information that they were asking uh, candidates for and it was probably two months. I said, well, they done called somebody or I didn't make, uh, I wasn't with. And then one one evening I was sitting there in my in my den and the phone rung. I looked down and I said, I don't recognize that area code. I said, so how are you? So I asked the phone. And they said, they said, good evening, pastor. This is uh, uh, the pulpit committee from 7th Avenue. Uh, as you can see, we still are in the search and obviously we're interested in you when we call And from that point, they kind of walked me through the next steps. Um, and then they invited us uh, to come for me to preach. And, and Pastor Brown, here's how God moves, because it was, it was, it was crazy. We spent the night in Louisville, Kentucky with some of our friends the, the, the night before we went up. And uh, and then when when we started the next morning to the rest of the way into Columbus, here's the unique thing that happened. My my SUV broke down sixty miles out of Columbus. Oh Lord. And we sat there for a couple of hours and finally got AAA to come and get us. And it pulled us into behind the building of the church. And and so we had to leave the vehicle there. They picked us up and took us to the hotel. And the next day I spoke with the deacons. I said, look, I said, I gotta find somebody to fix my vehicle because it's broke down. 
They said, just leave a second here. It'll be all right. So it took me three weeks to find a mechanic to fix it. And I called them, and they said, Pastor, it's fine. It's, it, it ain't hurt nothing sitting right here. Now, it was sitting in the pastor spot <laughs> for three weeks. The gentleman who fixed my vehicle, his wife was a member of Seventh Avenue, and I didn't know it. Lord have mercy. So he picked my vehicle up. He worked on it, and he called me uh, at work. He said, Pastor, your vehicle is fixed. I said, okay, well, let me make some arrangements so that my wife and I can come and get it. He said, don't be in no hurry. He said, it'll be all right right here at my shop. He said, you ain't heard this from me, but they're going to call you and invite you to come back. So just wait till then to pick it up. So when we went back, my gosh, I preached. We drove back, and after a while, you know, I said, "Well, it was a great experience." I got off work one Saturday afternoon, and was outside. Received a phone call. My wife said, "Hey, it's Columbus." I said, "Tell him I'll call him back." She said, "No, you don't want want them to call you back." She said, "This is the pulpit committee. They want to talk to you." And they said, Pastor, we had our church meeting today. And the church voted to call you as our pastor. Lord have mercy. And and I suppose for a moment, and I'll never forget it. The late Mother Chavis said, Baby, are you still there? Oh. Uh, we just offered you the church. Are you going to come? Lord have mercy. And I said, Yes, ma'am. Uh, and here's something, here's something that I did. Um, because of the relationship that I had with my first church and because I wasn't leaving under bad terms I sat down with them when I when I made a decision to candidate with the church mm -hmm. and told them that I was going to go to Columbus to preach at a church that I was candidating. I said I have to move because God is leading me to move they didn't like it but they accepted it. now when the call came, I told my current church, I said, look, I need to give them six to eight weeks uh, before that I come. You can't come in? No. I need to give them that respect because I've been with them 14 years and, and some months. And when I told the church, they said, Pastor, that's fine. But if you decide in that time frame that you don't want to go, then we just keep rolling. Now, Pastor Brown, how many churches do you know when their pastor is getting pastor and his family is getting ready to leave that they treat his last Sunday with them like it's his anniversary? Mm. Lord have mercy. They were My sad. Lord. They were sad, but they were celebrating with me because they said you were a man and you did this the right way. Now, because I did it the right way, I was able to come into 7th Avenue the right way. You know, and, and as a result of that, it built a level of integrity because I'll never forget what they said to me in the interview. Well, if we were to call you your existing pastor right now and ask them where you are, what would they tell us? Wow. I said, I'll give you every one of them's phone number and you can call them and they'll tell you 
our pastor is in Columbus this weekend preaching at the church he's candidating in. Wow. And at that point, half the committee had no questions, no further questions to ask me. Wow. Because I just believe that, that ministry is all about integrity. How, how can I expect God to, to bless me if I'm not willing to be an integrous servant? Wow. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my goodness. Like I say, oh, my. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I, I'm at a loss of words like this whole conversation is just, oh, my gosh, from the wife to to the churches to now. This is wow. This is amazing. Like you're, you're really helping and blessing me. And I know you're blessing those who are watching. This is a, oh, big bro. This is unbelievable. So then you've been at Seventh Avenue. For how many years? Eleven. So in those eleven years, and then, and then let me segue to this. You talk about integrity, and the way you just talked about integrity, it, it's amazing the way you just hit on that. Because how, as a pastor, somebody may be watching this and say and feel that that tug, it's time to go. I'm ready to go. God is moving me to go. But I still have this church. And they've been because I believe pastors find it hard to leave a church that has been good to them. And you just show with your integrity time about 14 years and your last Sunday, they still treated you treated like it was an anniversary. So what are from your experience, what are advice keys in transitioning yourself? from one church to another transitioning your family from one church to another and transitioning your church basically tell you know letting your church know i love you but god is leading me somewhere transitioning them to get them even ready for the next person good question and and, and what happened is my my preaching um my preaching season and matured uh, to another level in, in that last year, year and a half that I was at my first church. And, and here was the unique part of it. I didn't even know in the beginning that I was preaching and teaching to prepare them for transition because God had not yet said it to me. But some of the members saw it before that it was affirmed. Wow. Um, and, and I'll say this, there's phases when, when you start to feel mm -hmm. that your time is growing short, yes, sir. Your, be careful that that doesn't come because of frustration. Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, because when God begins to show you that there's a move about to be made it's not a, a quick instantaneous move because god has to prepare you for the transition and watch this when god showed me that my season 
was coming to a close at First Baptist. I literally went into a season of depression mm. because I grieved the fact that I was about to leave people who I had served and God had blessed me to pour into for over 14 years. My concern was, are they going to be all right? Wow. Because they're about to have a season shepherdless. Wow. Then my next concern was, would have been my family, but my wife was, was ready for the transition because she, God had been preparing her before he even began preparing me. It was easy for our daughter because our daughter was on was only five, getting ready to be six years old. Right. So it wasn't like I was pulling her away from uh, friends. So it was an easy transition there. Um, but the other part of that was wondering, okay, I've seen them. I've seen them where I'm going on Sunday. I've seen the shout. I've seen the, 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 the worship, but God, what, what is it? What, what is this move going to mean to me? Because I'm going from, from a rural church now to urban. And I want to say this very candidly, just because that we're just simply transitioning from one church to the next it's more than that the culture is different see at, at at first baptist they were just looking for a good preacher and teacher but when i got to seventh avenue they're looking for a pastor who can preach who can teach who can lead because now i took on the role of administrator in my first church they didn't come to me and ask me or talk to me about ABCD wanting my opinion or saying pastor how do you feel about this so can you imagine walking into a full-time ministry and being asked those kind of questions that you're not prepared for mm. And, and that's where favor comes in because God knew that the preaching and the teaching part, I could be, I was good. I would be okay with it. Even though I quickly realized that now I'm preaching to folk with master's degrees and PhDs. So they're expecting more than a squall. Okay, but now I need that nurture to really help me to, to, to understand the concept of the business side of ministry. How to continuously improve ministries, how to uh, teach and present to the body that there needs to be, uh, there needs to be some changes. And, and, and as I heard one of your 
one of your people say um, that, that you interviewed, he said the word change is a bad word, and it is. You don't use that word. So my, my question to God was, God, how do I get them to transition from this season to the next season? And here's how you do it. You teach. God showed me you teach. Teach the people to where you're trying to take them. Because if you teach them there, then you don't even feel any resistance. It's, it's a smooth transition. Because they can see it because you're giving it to them through the word. And so what, what I have learned in these 26 years of pastoring is when God shows me something, I begin to teach the people. Because if I teach them and they can understand, they can receive it, then the process is, 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 is smooth. When, when I hear guys talk about, man, I'm struggling to, to get the people to see this, they're struggling because you haven't given them biblical application as to the effectiveness of why we're doing this. My wow, my goodness! Like I said, you are uh, you, you really helping you helping me um, tonight in so many ways. Uh, Pastor Craig Friendly, another big brother of mine from First Baptist Church Hicks Edition. And Spencer said the same thing, teaching um, is a must. So then let me ask you this question. Um, talk to us about the importance of pastoring, but taking care of yourself physically, uh, spiritually, and mentally by like removing distractions, removing things that aren't, that aren't good for you. I can say that in, in a couple of words, but, but I'm going to take my time. But I'm going to first say this. Stop trying to be everything for everybody. Mm. Um, we bleed just like those we lead. Mm -hmm. let, let me say that again. We bleed yeah. like those we lead. Mm. Um, because there's been this persona that uh, pastors don't have emotions. And the reality is, is pastors do have emotions. Um, in 20, 2018, I did the most funerals that I've ever done in my ministry. My, here my, my. In and the last one that I did I cried like a baby before I could ever open my mouth. And the and the church said in awe. And here's what I said to them. I said, this brother that's laying here, I love him. He's like a brother to me. And I said, and what you all need to understand is every time I lose a sheep out of this congregation, a part of me dies with them. Wow. Wow. Because when you are a shepherd and you have a shepherd's heart. Lord have mercy. It should impact you when when things happen, such as loss. Um, 
pastor here in this city, Bishop Washington. Now watch this. Last year, we was in the midst in the heat of this pandemic. He did well over 60 funerals from March to December. And he finally had a, spiritually, it finally took its toll on him. And he said to me, son, I don't know how much more did I can tell And I told him, I said, dad, here's the key. You can't be everything to everybody. Sometimes you've got to be willing to let someone else help you in bearing that burden. My sickness taught me this. I can rip and run. I can take care of everybody else and neglect myself. And what good and what good is that? Um, I, I've been married to, to the same woman for 29 years. And every time I get ill, she takes care of me. Every time she gets ill, I take care of her. But what she said to me this last time, she said, who's going to be there to take care of your daughter, be her father? Woo. If you don't Woo. take care of people. And here's something that I observed. My son in the ministry, he kept feeding the flock. Because he understood his assignment was to preach. But God showed me. He said, he said, see, see how things keep moving. Wow. Even in your absence. Even though the people say it's not the same as hearing you, but life goes on. Lord have mercy. And so what we as pastors have to do is we have to learn to take care of ourselves. Get physicals every year. Set aside some time in the year where you just take some time. You know, because here's the argument. Well, I can't afford to take no time, Doc, because, you know, the church. The church is going to be the church, whether we are there in person or whether we're not on our sick bed or whether they come and look down on us. And so what we have to do is understand this. If mentally I'm, I'm messed up, I can't be effective. If emotionally I'm drained, I can't be effective. If I'm sick, I can't be affected. So, so I have to make time for me. So how do I do that? Every morning, I wake up at 6 o'clock. Partly because I have to do maintenance for my health issues. But I spend from 6 to 8. That's me and God. I don't pray for no one or anything but me. That's my time to, to have him show me me and refuel me. Later on in the day is the time that I spend an intercessory word that I pray for my congregation. Pray for their needs. But if I don't seek my own needs, 
How can I be effective in seeking God to help me? How can I be effective in my preparation to feed them if I'm malnourished? Lord have mercy. Mm. You know, and 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 I'll say this too, Pastor, Pastor Brown. And, and it's good to call you Pastor Brown because when I met you, you was a minister, and I told you then there's something special about you. Uh, and, and so when when you told me that you had been called to a church, I was excited for you. Um, but I want to hit something that that I heard uh, someone else say that's been on your conversation. Find a circle in your generation. Watch this. Here's what I'm about to tell you. Find some folks that you can connect with that understand your, your generation. But make sure, make sure that there is also some folk in your circle who are seasoned, who know, who know more and have been through more than you have. When I was a young, young preacher, young pastor, I was excited about going to the association, my home association. I pastored in my own association, my first church. I was excited to go to the association that year because I was pastor. And here, here was the unique question that was posed to me. They served lunch after the morning sessions, and they served dinner before the evening sessions. Here I am, 24 years old, and I'm setting and listening to pastors who who've been doing this thing for 40 50 60 years and they asked why are you sitting here with us and not over there with your generation and I said to them my generation can't tell me anything because they don't know anything secondly you've been through where I got to go through. Mm. And so if I can sit and learn from you, I can avoid some of those pains. My goodness. Because I already know how to navigate it. Now, here was the interesting thing. Most of those seasoned senior pastors, patriarchs that I was sitting and listening to, most of them didn't have an eighth grade education, but they were anointed. And the things that they shared have stuck with me. And, and can you imagine uh, when I came here to, to Columbus, I was 40 years old when I took when I became pastor of this church. And some of the members said to be so young, you have an old seasoned spirit. They said, you remind us so much of our late pastor that died a few years ago and when we close our eyes on sunday morning and you're preaching it's almost like we're hearing him now some would take that the wrong way i took it as a compliment because it showed me that i was being what god needed me to be in that season and in that moment we can only be as effective if we're willing to open ourselves up to God. 
And, and that's why I told you when you shared with me that you had been called. And you said, well, big brother, how do I do this? How do I do that? When I came to Columbus 11 and a half years ago, the committee asked me, what changes will you make when you arrive? And I said, how can I come in and make changes when I don't know the church? I said, I will give 12 months to watch, learn, and observe, preach and teach, get to know you and you get to know me before changes come. And here's what happened. Then seven, eight months of being here, things were changing, but they didn't see it because God was leading it and teaching it. Mm. And wow. so God made the shifts. He made the transitions. I didn't have to do it. All I did was just teach them so that they could be guided in the direction that God wanted them, wanted the body of Christ to go. Wow. My goodness. My 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 goodness. Woo. Like I said, you blessed us tonight. I need I want to acknowledge my big brother, Reverend Antoine Richardson, Pastor Antoine Richardson from Zion Baptist Church in Hartford, uh, Connecticut as well. Oh my goodness, this has been this conversation has been amazing so then i got just a let me segue to this uh, before we get ready to close so then what's on your heart as we talked about earlier before we got cut off with the young preachers and young pastors and what advice do you have for young preachers and young pastors well let me say this let, let me start with young preachers young preachers <clears throat> need to submit to pastoral authority. You're, you, you're not going to always agree with your pastor, but you don't have to because there's only one pastor of church. And, and if you submit to your pastor, God will open up some gateway that otherwise would not be open. But I want to say this. He will close some opportunities if you dishonor your spiritual father. Now, Dr. Carl Edward Whitfield Sr. of the 11th Street Missionary Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky, is my pastor. He's my spiritual father. And I respect him and honor him. And that's why God has blessed me the way he has, because I learned to honor him, because I don't have to always like what he says but I honor him because he's my spiritual father. Here in Columbus, I have a covering and I honor him because he persists in telling me to honor my pastor back home. But he also holds me accountable here because there's some things here that he knows that I need to know. And so we have that kind of relationship. It's great when you, when you can have two fathers and respect them both, but at different levels. Now, what I'll say to young pastors, every, uh, how do I want to say this? Every Elisha needs an Elijah. Mm. And every Joshua needs a Moses. Just because you're pastoring, 
and I, and I want you to get this, just because you're pastoring and you may be the senior pastor of the church that God has put you in. But just because you're a senior pastor there, it doesn't make you a senior pastor in the city. Wow. Oh, Lord. Every young pastor needs a seasoned pastor. Here in Columbus, Bishop Washington is my Moses. And when he speaks, I listen. And what we have to do as young pastors is we have to be willing to listen to those that have walked before us. Now, here it is. Bishop oftentimes tells me, son, you you in the same uh you're really in the same group with us. You've been you've been in ministry 31 years. You've been pastoring 26. And he says, I've been in I've been in pastoral ministry about 39 years. So really we caught us and no, 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 we're not. No. You're my senior. See, because I need that leadership. Because yes, that sir. leadership is what makes me better. And so I guess what I'm saying is, in order for us to be effective pastors and to strive to be great pastors, we have to be willing to be pastored. Yes, sir. And if we can do that, we can succeed. Yes, sir. When you get in trouble, when you get in trouble, who are you going to be looking to to help you get out of? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. My goodness. My goodness, big bro, you, you like I said, you helping us. Uh, my big bro, Pastor uh, Antoine Richardson, he had this uh, question. It says, uh, going back to changes, what do you feel is the best approach to make changes as a new pastor after the appropriate time has passed? Great question. And here's what I'll say. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you when the appropriate time is for you to do that. Because sometimes we we allow our time to, to become God's time and it needs to be the other way around. It needs to be God's time and not our time. We think it needs to happen now because now seems to be the right moment. But we need to make sure that God has confirmed that this is the right time. Because if you move too quick, then you have no you have no covering. Mm. Wow. Like I said, big bro, this conversation has been phenomenal. And I and I, let me just say this uh, to those who are watching. Big Pastor Roby, big bro, he gives me this type of advice all the time because I'm always seeking him for some advice. And he's told me about these things, about covering, about teaching. He said even they may not like it at first, but you got to keep teaching. So as we get ready to close, what else is on your heart that you want to share with us? I, I want to say this, that there's going to be a season in your life as a pastor where you're going to feel alienated, you're going to feel betrayed, you're going to feel stabbed in the back, um, because when you are doing exactly what it is God wants you to do in that season, you don't necessarily always offend or upset the body of Christ that God has planted you Sometimes those that you affect with 
with your commitment and your submission to God is those who are supposed to be your so-called friends. Now, when I heard this a few years ago, I didn't want to accept it, but I do now. Sometimes a pastor's worst enemy can be another pastor because they hate on you because you're seemingly where they want to be and can't be. And that's where we have to keep our focus and recognize and remember that we are called of God to serve God and, and not to be men pleasers. Now, I'll say this. My friend, my friend, uh, friendship uh, circle here where I am, and I've been here 11 and a half years. My circle is very small. When I say very small, it's single digits. And that's because God has showed me that I need to keep it small because of what he's doing. But in that circle, I got, uh, I've got folk that I have looked up to and admire that have 40 years of pastoral experience, 30 years of pastoral experience, and then there's some that have less pastoral time than I do. So I'm in a position where that I can be a blessing to someone in the circle, but I've got folk in the circle that are stretching me because they know what I desire to know. So be careful who you let in your circle and be careful who you call friend because ministry can be a lonely thing when you figure out that everybody who calls you friend ain't friend. Matter of fact, just today, my covering here in Columbus, he says, son, remember this one word, frenemy. Remember that, Pastor Brown, frenemy. Because there's some who didn't know you, but as soon as you started pastoring, Doc, when this pandemic is over with, man, you know, maybe you can get me over. Your first year, year and a half at sunrise, they just need to hear from Pastor Brown. There's plenty of time to bring someone else in. They need to hear from you. They need to get to know you, honor you, and respect you as the under shepherd. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I have nothing else to say today. This has been a great conversation. Um, and then there's one more question, and then we're done. Me, uh, I talked to, I asked Big Brother this question one day because, you know, we used to communicate on social media and he stopped. And he told me why. But I want you to encourage us, Big Bro, about how why it's important sometimes to remove even if it's social media even though it can be fun but remove those outside distractions whether it be from our personal life our ministry even our marriages our homes remove those type of distractions out the way and then we'll close talk to us about that it's all the above um i got so consumed with it 
that I was spending more time with with that than I was in preparation and then ministering to, to my people. And it also caused a major issue uh, in my relationship with my wife. Uh, and so I had to prayerfully make a, a decision. Now, social media has its props. Yes, it's a way to get exposure. It's a way to get yourself known. But it can also be a way to destroy, to destroy what God is building. And so I made a conscientious decision to get away, from, to step away from all of them. So the only social media um, that that uh, I'm around is our church has a Facebook page, community Facebook page, and we did that at the start of the pandemic. Um, my daughter, she's the one who runs our church's. Uh, uh, Twitter account. I don't have anything to do with the social media piece anymore. All I do is uh, the pastoral because I found that when I let that go, that's when God really began to take me to a whole nother place because my that was no longer a distraction. I would be studying and I said, oh, you know what? This is going to be pretty powerful Sunday. Well, why don't I go ahead and just put this in the atmosphere? Let me go ahead and tweet this out. And then when somebody responds to it, then, and, and so after a while, it got to a point to where that I was losing my thought because I was more consumed with trying to get out thoughts that was coming to me uh, on social media than I was preparing to feed those whom God had given me charge of. And so I had to step back from that and re and reshift my focus uh, and so it, it's kind of like some folks are addicted to various things sometimes we can become so addicted to social media that we neglect those things that are most important such as family and and in my case family and 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 nurturing and shepherding my flock and so I had to make that choice. And it was the best choice I ever made. Because now I'm complete because I'm committed. Yes, sir. Well, like I said, big bro, thank you once again. Um, this has been a great conversation. I know plenty of people commented who have been blessed um, by this conversation. So I thank you for taking out taking our time today uh to chat with me um i really appreciate it and just um your your counsel your uh your uh your care you know your concern for us and as big bro richardson said thank you for absolutely um thank you for being transparent and really just being and this is how he is all the time uh when he when we talk he's like this with me all the time he's gonna be real he's not gonna sugarcoat anything so i definitely appreciate you today uh for being real with us so also before we get ready to close tell tell the viewers about your church tell the viewers about where your church is located service times there may be somebody maybe watching who might know somebody in columbus ohio so talk to us about your church and be able to close our church is located uh in, in the wildland park community it's a small uh, low-income urban community uh we are about two blocks from the ohio state university uh, oh, Lord. 
Uh, the church has been in that location for uh, well over 70 years. Uh, our service time right now, we are still not doing in-person worship. Uh, right now, uh, as I'm building my health back up right now, what we're doing is we have a conference line when we do our midweek service. Now watch this. I give them 30 minutes of our power on Wednesday nights. And many of them have said that's more effective than the hour that I was giving them before the pandemic. Uh, and we do our Sunday morning worship uh, at 10 a.m. on the conference line as well right now. Uh, as time goes on and as I get better, then I will go back to doing the sermon uh, through the website but right now we do our worship service on wednesday night at 7 p.m eastern time uh 7 30 we're done sunday mornings 10 a.m by 10 45 we're we're done with our sunday morning worship um and if you want to uh, participate in our worship services i can i encourage you to uh, visit our church website it's seventh avenue community Missionary Baptist Church of Columbus, Ohio. Um, and you can pull that up and it will tell you everything you need to know about our service time and the conference line number that you can dial in to listen. Um, and so uh, that's what we're doing right now. And, and to God be the glory. Amen. Well, once again, that's a uh, Seventh Avenue. I got it right here. I'm gonna post it in the comments. Um, just make sure, Big Bro, just confirm it for me that I got it right, because I'm gonna I'm gonna post it right quick. It should it should have came. Let me see if it coming. Is this the website? That's it. All right. So Seventh Avenue Community Missionary Baptist Church, Columbus, Ohio. Um, like I said, Big Bro is a great preacher, great academician, scholar from Ohio Christian uh, University. And once again, we thank you for uh, taking our time today for talk with us. So you stay on. Uh, I'm going to end this broadcast, but you stay on just for a couple quick minutes. All right. Okay. If that's all right. So once again, thank you. Um, please share this. Um, repost it, share it. Uh, we thank you once again for another great um, clergy conversation. God bless you. And God keep you. Good night.